You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Today's reading comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7. If you're using the Bible in your pew, um, that will be page 744. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then, as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Please be seated. Good morning. Last week, uh, I kind of took the time to obviously share what was some stuff that was on my heart. Last week was more of a bridge from chapter 6 into Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 through chapter 12 is, is all about 
a lot about like what's, what's coming for Daniel is definitely for the fu- regarding the future. Some of this is uh, about the future. There are certain genres in the Bible where, uh, that are you know in the Bible. There's poetry. There's gospels. There's historical narrative. There is prophecy, and there are two types of prophecy. There's foretelling which is kind of what you hear on Sunday morning. It's, uh, it's just speaking the Word of God into the lives of, of those around you. Uh, so I, you know, that's something I need. I need to speak. I, when I'm preaching, I need to hear the same words that I'm preaching. I'm speaking to my own heart. You heard me say that numerous times. And then there's foretelling, and foretelling is you know, the future, about the future. Then there's the genre called apocalyptic literature, and so Daniel and Revelation is that. And I don't, you know, like, I found this, and I laugh. Nobody laughs. I, I like, like Homer Simpson carrying the end is near sign. I mean, who doesn't like that? So there are um, many books. There exist many books. There are conferences all about how the world is going to end. Um, there are movies uh, many of them really bad, some of them pretty cool, uh, about, about you know, some type of apocalypse that is coming. There have been many predictions in, in America over <clears throat> the course of our years as a nation about the end of the world. And, uh, and m- many of them um, have you know, been false. And, and there are many books. So I went on Yahoo!, or not Yahoo, Amazon. I went on Amazon and uh, looked up, you know, what are the top-selling books on the apocalypse, you know, on on Amazon. And so I can't. I found I found five. I mean, there were a bunch of them, but the top five. Four of them are novels that are you know influenced by the Book of Revelation. One of them is not, and maybe you've heard of it. It's a book titled uh, Harbinger. Is that, is that Harbing? Is that how you pronounce it? Has anybody heard of this book before? Okay, so, so, this, so uh, the one that's number two on the list is The Harbinger 2, The Return. Um, and, and then I, I did, I had not read the book. I, I, apparently he wrote The Harbinger 1, um, the, the first one. It was published September 3rd, 2011, titled uh, the, Harbinger, the Harbinger, The Ancient Mystery That Holds the Secret of America's Future. And the uh, and if you really like this guy, I'm sorry, you'll probably be offended um, when you leave here. But the guy who wrote the wrote the book, uh, Jonathan Can or Khan, I, anyway, uh, what is ascribed to him in his bio is that he is known for opening the deep mysteries of Scripture and bringing forth messages of prophetic import. Anytime I read that, red flags start you know going up in my brain. Anytime, listen, I just want you to hear this. Anytime somebody says to you, I've read the Bible and I've uncovered things that nobody else has seen before, is wrong. Like that's a, that's a good indicator. What they're about to say is either heretical or they had too much pepperoni on their pizza before they started writing their book the night before. Like it's just a good, good indicator that, you know, anybody, anytime somebody says that there's something in the Bible nobody's ever seen before, stay away from them. Um, not, not good stuff. And so I've not read the book, so I'm not entirely being fair to this guy, but I won't read the book just because of his bio, <laughs> what I read. Um, all that to say this, we're going into Daniel chapter 7. It's about, some of it is about the future. Some of it is about Daniel's future. And, um, 
and I just, I just want you to know that anything that is about the end times or what's coming that's written in the Bible, it's called eschatology. The purpose of eschatology is meant for your ethics. Okay? Somebody told me that a long time ago. It's wise advice. The purpose of eschatology is your ethics, the way you live your life today. That's why it's in the Bible. How, do we live, how should we live our lives in light of what's coming and you know, what exists? So Daniel, in chapter 7, uh, there, are, there are three things that, I, I, that, that God wants Daniel to walk away from regarding this dream. He, he wants Daniel to get out of his dream. And it's three things that are for us. There are three things for, for him. I'm not saying there are three things just because I have Baptist roots and I need three points in this sermon. There are really three things here. And, and the first is this, is that darker days will come. Darker days will come. In the first, you know, at the very beginning of Daniel's dream, he, he sees these, these beasts. And before he sees these beasts, we're given a clue in the very first verse, in the first year of who? Belshazzar. Who's that guy? Well, he's the guy in chapter 5 of Daniel. I described him, if you missed that sermon, as a Belshazzar in comparison to his predecessors. He reminds me of the 30-year-old guy still living in his mom's basement playing video games. He contributed nothing to the Babylonian Empire that I'm aware of. And he threw a party. And that party was not a good party. It was immoral. It was demeaning of women. It was, it, and, and he used uh, these sacred vessels that were used in the worship of God, the Hebrew people. Uh, he dug those up and he used those uh, as instruments to get drunk. Like they, they got drunk and they had this party. And uh, if you know anything about chapter 5, it didn't, el- it didn't end well for Belshazzar. He died. And the Medes and Persian Empire came in, the Medes came in, and they, they uh, overtook Babylon, and this guy died. In the first year of his reign, we're told, Daniel had this dream, um, which clues us into the fact that things were going to get pretty unstable. Belshazzar was not a friend, neither were the other kings, but more than any of the other B- Babylonian kings, Belshazzar was not a friend of the Hebrew people. And so he said, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, I had this dream. And this dream came before the, before the Mede and Persian Empire came and destroyed everything in chapter 5. So Daniel chapters 7 through 12 is not chronological. This is just, these are dreams that Daniel had. And he said, I had this dream and, uh, and visions that were in my head as I lay my, you know, on the bed and I was, uh, as I was sleeping. And then he, he, so he wrote down the dream, and he told the sum of the matter, we're told. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, there were four winds. There were these four winds that were stirring up the sea. So here's, uh, here's something about the four winds. The four winds represent north, south, west, east. And where were they coming from? They were coming from, uh, coming from heaven. What is the point? The point is, God does what God is going to do. And when nations rise up, or when nations you know, cease to exist, they do so at God's uh, disposal, at, at his choosing. That's the point. Daniel, before you wig out over these beasts that you're going to see, know that I am the one that has stirred up the winds. It is, I am the sovereign one that has allowed these empires to come to power. And so as the wind stirs over the sea, the sea represents, in the Bible, the sea represents chaos, confusion, and conflict. 
When you read the book of Revelation, what you learn when God makes all things new, do you want to know one of the things he does away with? The sea. Some of you are sad by that. Like, I like the ocean. I'm sorry. There will be rivers, <laughs> but, but not the sea. And, and so the sea represents chaos, confusion, and conflict. And out of chaos, confusion, and conflict, these, these beasts arise out of out of the sea. Isaiah chapter 17, verse 12, tells us about nations. And I want to read this. It says, As, uh, Ah, the thunder of many peoples, they thunder like the thundering of the sea. Ah, the roar of nations, they roar like the roaring of mighty waters. That's the nations. And who governs the nations? Who holds the nations in the palm of his hand? What are the nations com- you know, likened to in the palm of God's hand? Like a drop of water in his hand hand, like dust on the scales. And uh, these four beasts come out of this sea, and um, we're introduced to them. And I think these four beasts are the same type of, em- the same empires. Now, there's some debate over this, but I think they're the same empires that we're, in- that we're introduced to through Nebuchadnezzar 2.0, his dream that he had in chapter 2 with these four empires in the form of of uh, a statue. I think it's these four empires, but we're given a little more information about them. The first beast was like a lion and had eagle's wings. It's symbolic of Babylon. Um, so I believe that first beast was Babylon, a reference to Babylon. And its wings were plucked off and then made to stand upright on two feet like, like a man maybe, which was a reference to the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar 3.0. Remember chapter 4, what happened to him? He went crazy for seven years. He was humbled. His wings were literally plucked out, and he was, then he was, made, he was given his right mind, and he's, he, he, his reason returned to him. I think that's a, it's a description of Babylon, but that's not the only beast that comes out of the, out of the sea. There's a second beast, and the second beast was like a bear, uh, somebody who described this uh, described it as a lumpy bear. <laughs> um, there's something different about this bear. It's, we're told that he was, was raised up on on one side. It, that appears to be a reference to the Mede and Persian Empire. There was these two empires, these two kingdoms that came together, and um, what eventually happened is the Persian Empire overtook the Mede, the, the Mede part of the empire, um, and there were three ribs in its mouth which could be a reference to the consumption of Babylon, the empire, the Lydian kingdom in Asia Minor in 546 BC, and then the kingdom of Egypt. This is in my manuscript. You can download it whenever you'd like. But I think that's the three ribs in his mouth, a a reference of what was about to happen in Daniel's Daniel's life at the moment that he had this dream. And then the third beast was future for Daniel. This was something way in the future for Daniel. Daniel didn't know what this beast, uh, you know, what empire this beast represented. He just, it was a beast. And this beast is like a leopard. What is a leopard known for? Speed, right? And what's faster than a leopard? A leopard with four wings, right? So that's, that's what you have here. You have this exceeding, this empire that just grows rapidly and, it, and basically conquered uh, you know, the world that was known in, in its day. And, and so what is it a reference to? I think it's a reference to the, the empire of Greece under Alexander the Great. Under Alexander the Great, he conquered the known world up to India in the span of about 13 years. He died at the age of 33. 
I think it's a reference to that. Liberal scholars would say Daniel had to have been written later in, in, in history, not, where, not when people like me and other conservative uh, pastors and scholars believe that it was written, because how could he have written something like this not knowing the future? Well, I know, because God is real, and he speaks to his people. That's why uh, Daniel had this dream about this future empire, Greece. And then there was this fourth beast that came out. And every beast is a predator that comes out of, of, of the sea. This fourth beast, though, is different than the other ones. It's described as terrifying, dreadful, and exceedingly strong. And, you know, nations today, nations are, are, are given characteristics of, um, you know, some of them predatory beasts, right? You know, you have Russia. What, what beast is identified with Russia? A bear. How about China. A dragon's not real, but a dragon. And then how about America? An eagle. It's kind of funny that we were considering a turkey in its early years, but an eagle. Um, and so this fourth beast is terrifying. And he comes out of the great sea. And, and the description that's used of him, he, he devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. He, he emerged you know, from the sea with ten horns and an eventual smaller horn that came out of those ten horns like, and with the eyes like a man and a mouth speaking great things. I'm going to talk about him next week, by the way. So come back next week. Like, I'm going to talk about him. I'm going to talk about Jesus as the King of Kings uh, next week. I don't have time to go into every detail in this, in this, in this chapter. So we'll do chapter 7 this week and next week. But, but this, this little horn pops up, and he says great things. What are the great things? Blasphemous things, uh, horrible things. We're told later on in Daniel chapter 7, verse 21, as I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. Um, so that, this guy comes up on the scene which would be reason for maybe Daniel to experience some anxiety and discomfort over, over what he was seeing. Each beast that rises out of the sea of chaos, confusion, and conflict is a predator that is more terrible than its predecessor. And, and at, at the heart of these beasts, of these empires, is the harm, is for the harm of the people of God. And so Daniel has this dream, and we're told that it is terrifying, dreadful. Um, they, 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 he was filled with angst, and, and, and this was uncomfortable for him to, to experience. But here's the fact, right? Here's the reality. This is, this is what you need to know. The point of Daniel chapter 7 is the same point of any passage that is, that is about the future, any passage that is about a coming apocalypse or apocalyptic, it's, the point is not what's coming, the point is who governs the universe, who governs the nations, who holds our future in the palm of his hand. That's the point. The point is uh, verses 9 and 10. The point of Daniel chapter 7 is not just verses 9 and 10, but verses 13 through 14. That's the point. Now, I said this at the beginning of the service. Um, I'll say it now. Like for, for those, you know, especially those watching the live stream, like, like one of the things you need to know is that, that whatever anxiety you have, whatever, whatever fear that you have, if your fear is um, coming back because you're afraid of what people might think because you haven't been back to church or whatever, I want you to know, live stream people, that you're, you will be welcome here with open arms with love and with grace, 
and, and the one thing you can know is that you will be, people will be excited to see you, right? Um, I don't know what fears or anxiety are represented in this room. Uh, we all have something that, that we're concerned about. But our inheritance that God has in store for us is not fear. It is a future that, uh, that, uh, that, is, that will be filled with joy and contentment and peace. But before all that comes, these four beasts had to come and will come. This fourth beast is Rome, but I think it's Rome and more. I'll talk about the more part next week. Um, and so, so the second thing that, that, Daniel, that God wanted Daniel to walk away from with the, regarding this dream is that God's reign and judgment is sure. His reign and judgment is sure. Here, here's the awesome thing about, about this is that the point of Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, is verse 18. If you have a Bible, you, you might want to look at it, but I'll read it for you. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. What kingdom? God's kingdom, and possess the kingdom. For how long? Well, forever, forever, and ever. So how long is forever, forever, and ever? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Forever, right? Yeah, it, forever uh, or eternity. Um, God's reign and his judgment is sure. And so Daniel, it says in verse 9, as I looked, as I was overwhelmed by these beasts, and I was looking, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. Who is the Ancient of Days? God. God is the Ancient of Days. And he took his seat, and we're told that his clothing was white as snow, and his hair was, uh, uh, of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him. Those are angels and the presence of heaven. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. How many are those? A lot. <laughs> you can't count them. This is in contrast of the ten horns on this terrible beast. How many horns does he have? Ten. How many are before the throne of the Ancient of Days? Innumerable, innumerable people. Like thousands and thousands. Just, you can't count them. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. What books? The books concerning the judgment of these empires and of, of the nations. I mean, this is for our joy, brothers and sisters, like this is for our joy. Daniel chapter 7 is for our joy, not to fill us with anxiety. The purpose of Daniel chapter 7 is not to guess who the Antichrist is. The purpose of Daniel chapter 7 is to look, uh, to set our eyes on the Ancient of Days, who reigns, who reigns. And we're told of his clothing. His clothing speaks to his perfect holiness and righteousness. Perfect holiness and righteousness. I said this last, last week and the weeks before. You know, God does not need to improve upon himself. Who has to improve upon themselves? Everybody say, we do. <laughs> right? And the person sitting next to you would, get, would agree with you. <laughs> you need to improve. Um, and vice versa. But God doesn't need to improve upon himself. His hair that is white as wool speaks of his eternality and infinite wisdom. He is perfect in every way. I can't stress this enough. 
The first six chapters of Daniel, I think, stress this. All of Scripture stresses this. God is infinitely good. He is infinitely wise. He is infinitely loving. He is infinitely holy. He is infinitely all-knowing. He is infinitely all-powerful. And because he's all of those things and more, he is infinitely benevolent. He loves his people. You can rest in that. The flames of his throne speak to his unescapable, unlimited, and perfect judgment. His judgment is perfect. And we're told in verses 11 and 12, the beast will one day die. He will die at the, uh, under the judgment of God. You know how he's going to die? At the word of God. I love, I love how like, you know, these beasts, they kind of emerge out of, out of chaos and, and, and conflict and, and the world, waters are being stirred up. Who's, storing, who's stir, stirring up the waters? And God and his sovereignty is, and these beasts come up and they, I can just picture them laboring and working and toiling to, to, to rise to power. And then God judges them. How does he judge them? With his word. We, we learn in Revelation, later in Revelation, the book of Revelation, that the nations will gather around the, the saints and, and, and the king of kings in his kingdom, and they will gather from, from the four corners of earth and, and from, the, from the north and from the south and from the west and from the east, and they'll gather. And then the Bible tells us then as they surrounded the holy city, fire came down from heaven and consumed them. I love that. Like there's no grudge match, you know, with God and, 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 and the devil. It's like, you're done, boom. Right? And he, and he tells, like, when you read these first eight verses of Daniel chapter 7, it's as if God said to them, you, you are, you're, you're dealing with a, a, a terminal judgment that will end in your destruction. The first three beasts, you, your dominion is limited. I said this in the first service. I said this throughout this series. I know it might bother you. We, we have this tendency to look at everybody around us, look at our neighbor, look at other nations, and we say it will happen to them, but it will never happen to us. But even America, our dominion is limited. And the one who limits it is the, is the ancient of days. And one day, that dominion will come to an end. And it doesn't need to be the end of your world. Um... God's reign and judgment is sure. The flames of his throne speak of his unescapable, unlimited, and perfect judgment. And there are other passages that describe the, the, the person of God, his character, who he is. There are two main ones, and you probably have read these before. There's Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, those are angels, each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Which I use that as, a, as, a, as, as an illustration. To share. I've shared this with my kids. Why do you have two ears and one mouth? To listen more, talk less, right? Well, these angels, why do they have six, why do they have six wings? Why do they have three sets of wings? One, to cover their face before the throne of God. The other set, to cover their feet before the presence of God. And the other set, to circle the throne. And what are they doing as they circle the throne? This is what they're doing. Holy, holy, holy. They're singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. That was what Daniel saw in his dream. That's what Isaiah saw in his vision. That's what's happening now. If you want to know 
what you know, your friends or loved ones are doing who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus and are now in the presence of God because they were, you know, succumbed to death. You want to know what they're doing? They're experiencing that. That's what they're experiencing. In Revelation chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse, uh, verse 5, you know, we, read, we read these words. What's happening around the throne? Well, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. Not some little cherubs holding little harps. Like, these are, these are uh, terrifying looking angels. And their whole purpose is worship around the throne of God. The first living creature had the face like a, a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is to come. And then we're told that I know my dad is doing this right now. My father-in-law is doing this. My mother-in-law is doing this. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. That's what Daniel sees. So, Daniel, don't wake out over these four beasts. Don't fret these four beasts. There's the Ancient of Days who's sitting on the throne, and he rules and he reigns. He rules and he reigns. And um, this leads to the third point, and that is our inheritance is, better, is a better kingdom. Our inheritance is a better kingdom. I told you already in verse 18, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. And, and, and who is going to, who's going to be, who, what's going to be the means by which we inherit that kingdom? Jesus. I saw in the night visions, we're told in verse 13, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be des destroyed. There was, you know, Daniel saw these beasts, Caiaphas, when he was the ancient of days, and then he saw the son of man. Caiaphas, when he was judging Jesus on the night of, you know, before he would be handed over to be crucified, he said, are you the son of man? Are you the Messiah? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am. And he quoted Daniel chapter 7. He said, you will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. And you just wait. And you will stand before the son and you will be judged. And all the saints that belong to Jesus, all of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, we're his. We're his. When I read this passage, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the fact that there are not, there's not just four beasts that we encounter in life. There are all kinds of beasts. Beasts are anything that's terrifying, anything that's scary. Like this whole year, COVID, 
has been a beast. When you, when some of you were like, yeah, this has been pretty terrible. I, I had a, a meeting with some pastors on Thursday. One of them's got a friend who's dying as a result of COVID. And another pastor said, you know, I take this seriously. He said, I had to hold my friend's hand. He's a pastor in Wyoming as he literally just suffocated to death because of COVID. That's a beast. And it's, and it's ugly. Like these four beasts, like God didn't tell Daniel, you know, just take them lightly. You know, don't, don't worry about them. No, I mean, they're there in the Bible for a reason. There's this little horn that's going to pop up, and we'll talk about him next week. He's real. There have been others like him who've, who've been in a part of our history. And, and yeah, we should take them seriously. But in comparison to the Ancient of Days, in comparison to the Son of Man who's coming on the clouds of heaven, they don't hold a candle. Like, he, like we are his. That's why Jesus said, some of you they may kill, but not a hair on your head will perish. Our inheritance, listen, brothers and sisters, our inheritance as the people of God is not fear. It is a kingdom that will last forever and ever and ever. Let that settle on your hearts for a little bit. So, Daniel, somebody's not happy. Um, So Daniel sees this son of man who's coming on the clouds of heaven. He's going to judge the nations. and And he's going to reign and he's going to rule. And his kingdom will be one that will last forever. Comes, behold, behold you know, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Which what means what? What we're told, which shall not pass away. Unlike the four beasts, it will not pass away. Unlike America, it will not pass away. Unlike China, it will not pass away. The kingdom of God will last forever, forever, and ever. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Like I, I say this at every funeral that I do for somebody who's, who died, who was a follower of Jesus. And I tell the family that what you see in this coffin, what you see in this urn, is not death's victory dance for the people of God. It's not. Is death scary? Yeah. Like, who wants to die? Anybody? Like, or experience death? Nobody. There's a song. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Right? Uh, Billy Graham, when asked about his, him anticipating heaven, he said, yes, I, I can't wait to get to heaven. It's just death I'm not looking forward to. That's a beast. But there is one who not only died for our sins on a cross and was buried, but he walked out of the tomb conquering death. That's the point of Daniel chapter 7. This fourth beast is going to die. It's going to be judged. This little horn will be squished under the heel of the Son of Man who's coming on the clouds. And so Jesus said, fear not. This is Luke chapter 12, if you're taking notes, in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Like, it's his pleasure to give it to us. He wants to give it to us. He's the author of life. He's made you to thrive. You were designed to thrive. And the only way to thrive is is through a, a relationship with him. We were made for him. We were made to know him. To, to enjoy him forever. 
To know God and to enjoy him is to, be, is to begin to experience what it is to be fully human. Our fallenness and our jacked upness, whatever you want to call it, is not what it means to be human. We're fallen. And what it means to be human is, and what it means to experience our humanity at its fullest is to have a relationship with the God of all creation. And it will culminate one day when, he, when we experience a, a resurrection. And after that, this is Romans chapter 8, after that, uh, the rest of creation will experience the same kind of re- resurrection we experience, we'll experience. And only then will God wipe away every tear from our eyes. Why will he wipe away every tear from our eyes? Because then we'll know what it is to be fully human in relationship with him. The Bible says we'll see him face to face. But before then, there's a judgment coming. Daniel chapter 12 talks about that judgment. Some will rise to everlasting contempt and shame. Those are the people who have either rejected Jesus or didn't know Jesus. And then there will be others who will be resurrected and they will shine like the stars of heaven. That's Daniel 12. I don't know when we'll get there, but we'll get there. But that's coming. And, um, and it is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And we'll inherit it forever, forever and ever. There's a, a commentator, a guy who, there's this one commentary that I really have enjoyed as I've been preparing my sermons for, for this series in Daniel. And he just says things in a way that I, uh, I just, I couldn't have said any better. And so I've quoted him a few times. I want to read something in closing that he said about these verses that I think are just so good. They're so good. And here's what he said. He said this. He said, um, How is Daniel to convey to us the greater reality of the world to come? The answer lies in his graphic description of the true nature of this world and the world to come. The rewards that this age offer to us are empty prizes, the golden uh, baubles, or bu- I can't even pronounce it, of Belshazzar, basically the empty prizes of Belshazzar, whose time is already up. The horrors of this age are equally empty to, uh, of power to do us real harm, though. The monsters that we so dread are as toothless as the lions in Daniel's den, for God is our judge. It is his tribunal before which we must ultimately stand, and it is what is written about us in his book that will determine whether we reign with his saints forever or spend eternity in the fire with the beast. It is that black and white. The stakes are high, but when, but when we weigh life in the world against life in the world to come, it becomes evident that faithfulness to the Lord is the only way, no matter what the cost. The earthly tribunals may have the power to condemn us to burn at the stake or to die in the gas chamber or to suffer some other beastly fate, but they have no power over the soul. When the beasts have done their worst to our physical body and we take our leave of them, we are simply going from them to God. As Jesus himself said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Amen? Like, the point of Daniel chapter 7 is not your anxiety. It's to strengthen your faith.
not to paralyze you with fear, but to liberate you into a freedom to live your life for the glory of God and for the good of the city and community and family that you find yourself surrounded by. If you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, if you're here you don't know who God is because you don't know Jesus, the Bible tells us that um, your salvation, the forgiveness of your sins is not something you have to earn. It's not something you have to merit. It is something to be received. It is a free gift to be received by faith. It's not something you can work for. It's by faith. I say this almost every service, that Jesus lived the life that we could never live. Why do I say that? Because he lived a perfect life. He was 100% God, 100% human. I know that's hard to wrap our minds around, but he lived his life as a perfect human being. He showed us what humanity looks like without sin. And uh, he lived that life on our behalf. And then he died a death under, uh, under you know, the Roman government for our sins, in our place, on a Roman cross, as he bore the weight of your sins and my sins, something that we deserved. We deserved the judgment of God. He didn't. He did, it, uh, did that in our place. So he lived the life we could never live. He died the death that we deserved. And on the third day, what did he, die? What did he do? He rose. He rose from the grave. If you believe that, tell God that. Talk to him about that. If you believe that, then you are a Christian. Not just believing it with your head, but trusting in it with your life. I want to pray. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you for, thank you for Daniel chapter 7. God, you are the ancient of days. But to us, you have given us permission as those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have given us permission to call you Daddy, Father. And so, God, I thank you for being my Daddy, for being my Father. I thank you for sending your Son live this life, the life I could never live, to die a death that I deserved so that I can know what it means to be not just forgiven, but to be a member of your family. Thank you, God, that because of that reality, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.